Let's open our Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We're going to pick it up where we left off. And uh, <clears throat> just checking you out. That's what I'm doing. You are a wonderful group of people for the most part. Most of the time. If I look at you right now, that means you're not one of them. No, I love you guys. Because I was commanded to. <laughs> no, I just love you because you're very lovable. Yeah, I know. I better stop now, right? While I'm ahead. Titus chapter 2. We, uh, let's read the verses together, uh, verses 11 through 14. We've been looking at this section, and we've we got a couple more uh, portions uh, for this. Uh, we sang the song today, so we're kind of getting that uh, in, into our minds and hearts, these words, this word of God. Uh, I was back with the kids here uh, for a minute, a little side here, and uh, they were singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, and it says, because the Bible tells me so, and one of the kids said, like, what's, what do you mean? What, where does the Bible say that, or whatever, and, and why does that matter? You know, I mean, it's a you know, young child asking this. I'm one of the questions you would ask me, so I'm not, I'm not taking questions. But, uh, you know, so they, they were talking about how the Bible is God's word, and it tells us about life. It tells us you know, how to live. It tells us how much he loves us, what he did for us. So it's, it's amazing. I love to see the, the kids singing back there and I and have a, get a chance to go back there. So let's read from verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While... We wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own peculiar people, eager to do what is good. So the, the foundation for all this, just a little bit of review, the foundation is what? It's grace, right? It's God's undeserved favor that he just pours out his love upon us we didn't do anything to deserve it we didn't earn it but he just pours out his grace upon us and and so that kind of is is uh, everything else is a response really in our lives and our hearts to what he's done you know it's it's not like we started this thing he started it and guess who's going to finish it him not us right He's going to finish. He started it. He started a good work in us, in me, in you, if you belong to Him. And He is going to finish that work that He began in you. And it's all grace. It's all because, just because He loved us, because He wanted to do it. I think we got to really, uh, as uh, it says in 2 Corinthians, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to grow in that grace. So anyways, we, we talked last week about being in the school of grace and, and uh, you know, that His favor was teaching us. It says there in verse 12, it, referring to what? To grace, His grace teaches us. 
And, and we have to learn he's changing us, he's working in us, he's working in me and in you. And, you know, the, the question is, and I've, I've asked this just about every week in this series, is are we teachable? Do we really want to be taught? Or do we think that we know it all? Or do we think that, you know, we, we really, uh, you know, I, I don't have time for that? Or, you know, maybe, uh, maybe next week I'll learn something. But he wants to teach us, and that's part of what grace does. It teaches us, and, it, and we have a lot to learn. So the two things that it brought up here in that passage, one is to say no, or to refuse or to reject ungodliness and worldly passions. And that's, you know, that affects how we live in our daily life, to say no, to, re, to refuse, and to live differently, which really, you know, the, the negative was, was that part, and the positive is to, is to live a new way. And to live a a new life, which is really a real life. To be self-controlled, to be upright, to be godly in this present age. Now, in this world that we live in. Is that easy to do? No, but God's grace is going to give us the strength that we need to do what he asks us to do. So we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And, And we saw in Romans 12, he says that he's transforming us, not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And one of the ways that happens is by getting this word into our hearts and into our minds. So today, that brings us to today, the next part is really about the blessed hope, this our blessed hope, this hope that we have. So we fight and we struggle and we learn, we're taught, we're, we're in this world, we're fighting to do the right thing. It's not easy, right? How many of you had a bad day yesterday? Any of you? A bad night last night? I'm the only one? Like, I don't believe that. Yikes. First, let's do a lesson in honesty. Oh, that, the, the key word today is transparency, right? Which means they can see right through you. Right? So it's not an easy life to follow Jesus. And we, we saw even, even Paul said, you know, for all those who desire to live a godly life, will what? Will suffer persecution. It's not always going to be easy. And so that's part of it. We have to know that. Anybody would tell you it's going to be an easy road. You just accept Jesus and you are on easy street. I have been looking for easy street for a very long time, and the GPS can't even find it, right? Easy street does not exist. It doesn't exist for anybody, truthfully, whether you're a believer or not a believer. There's no such thing as easy street. But this idea of this hope that we have, this idea, and I think think, uh, Ecclesiastes talks about the fact that God has placed eternity in our hearts. So there's something within us that, that thinks, that, that knows, and even those that are unbelievers, I think even in their, the depths of their hearts, they know that there is something more than just this life and fighting the nine-to-five job or whatever it is that you might face, the school, right? You love school, right? You love school. Keep saying yes. My kids ask me, 
you know, can I get it from the table now or whatever? Uh, my grandkids, I say, my kids don't ask me nothing anymore. Uh, and I go like this, I, I go like this. And they're waiting to see what answer my answer is going to be. And that's kind of like we do sometimes, right? Well, um, you know, I'm not sure. And then I finally go like this, and they get up. That's kind of what we do, though. But we're in this, we're in this situation, this life, and, and, and we have a lot to look forward to. So this thing about hope is the fact that this is not all there is, that we got something to look forward to. We have something to anticipate, to prepare for. And in, in essence, also to live for, to live for that day, that hope. This passage talks about it here from uh, verse 11. Really, it talks about, uh, in verse 11, it says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And when did that happen? Christmas time, right? We're, we're celebrating it now. The grace of God, Jesus appeared to bring salvation. And then down in verse, 11, uh, verse uh, 13, it says, The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, so there was the first coming, and then there's the second coming, right? The first time he came, when he came uh, and was born in Bethlehem, right? He came and he came to give his life, as we see at the, in verse 14. He gave himself for us. And, and then the second coming for to, to, well, really, when we look at the rapture, we think about the fact that he's coming for his own people, his children, right? I'm not going to get into all the end times uh, uh, scenarios, but the fact of the matter is that the next, in my understanding, the next thing that's going to happen is the rapture. And so when he comes back for those of us that know him, that's the next thing on the timetable. So we have this to, to look forward to. So we, we kind of live our lives now between these two events, right? Between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming, second appearing of Jesus, right? It, I, read, I read this a long time ago where the, uh, you know, you have, you look at the, the tombstone, right? The, and you have the date, you know, date of birth, and then you have the, date of death, right? And in between, there's what? Just this dash, right? Well, that's kind of, that, there's a lot in that. It's not just a dash. It's what our lives are. It's, it's who we live for. It's what kind of lives that we uh, live in this time that we have between the time we're born and the time we die. Well, well, for us, it's also between the time Jesus came and when Jesus will return. This time of, of while we're waiting while we look, while we expectantly look for Jesus to return. Now, to be honest with you, I don't think about it every day. But I think we should. I think we should think, we should wonder, we should ask, we should be in expect, expectation that He could come back today. He could. We don't know. No man knows the day or the hour. And, and you know, it's, you say it's been like this for many, many hundreds and hundreds of years. But we're still taught that that's the attitude that we should have, that he, he could come back at any time. So are we looking for that? Are we thinking about that? Because it, as it says in our verse here today, this is what our blessed hope is. It's the only place that it calls it our blessed hope. 
This is our hope, this confident expectation. Not, well, he might come. I kind of hope he comes, or maybe I hope he doesn't come today. No, it's a blessed hope that confidently he's going to come. I, I found this uh, in, in the website, Got Questions, and I, I like that website. It's usually pretty, pretty good. Got any, have you seen it before? GotQuestions.org? None of you, one person. Huh? Doughboys? What? Billboards. No, no, no. This is a, a website where you can go and they have lots of good answers to questions. They have que- you know, questions about every facet of the Christian faith. So I encourage you to find that. There are so many good things you can have. But let's read what it says here. We will be, we will be blessed beyond measure when we see Christ. The trials of this life will be over. And we will see that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's from Romans 8.18. we got something to look forward to. I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm kind of tired of all this stuff. You know, but, but that doesn't mean we do anything. We can't change it. He's going to come when He's going to come. And our time is, uh, you know, all worked out for us by God. But having this sense that, you know, he's going to be, he's he's coming soon and that this is our blessed hope. Pastor Chuck said this, that it should keep our lives in perspective. Like, is it really that important? The stuff that you and I stress out about? In comparison to eternity? In comparison to the fact that Jesus is going to come and we're going to see his face? Is what you and I stress about really that important? Now, I know we have to take care of business. We have to do what we got to do. We got to, you know, face the things in this life and, and make decisions and, and ask people for help if we need help. And, and that's all part of it. But really, in comparison to eternity, is it really that important? David Guzik said this. He said, it's, it's not heaven or glory that's our blessed hope, but Jesus himself. Jesus himself. That's the, that's the thing about it. We're going to see him face to face. So Jesus himself, we're going to look at, <clears throat> we're going to look at some verses uh, together. But Jesus talked a lot about it. Jesus talked a lot about the fact that he was going to come back. So let's turn back to the Gospel of Matthew first. We're going to look at some verses in Matthew and then in John. And uh, then we're going to see that Paul talked a lot about it too. They're not the only ones that talked about it, really, because it's all throughout the Bible. But Matthew chapter 24, there's a whole section here about end times and, and different things that are going to happen. But in, this, in these two chapters, really, 24 and 25, there's a sense of of being ready and being interested and being looking ahead, having this expectation. Chapter 24, verse 42 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the, the night of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and he would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, 
Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. So he's saying to be ready at all times. If, if you knew someone was going to break into your house, you'd, you'd be there waiting for them. But you don't know, so you need to be ready at all times, he says, for the return. Verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise ser- servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household? To give them their food at the proper time, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. There's, a, there's an idea, and, and, and as I've been thinking about this, there's kind of two things. One is to, to be looking and keeping our eyes to the sky, that, that he's going to return. But there's also this idea, and, and this is what he says here too, in this, these last couple of verses, to be busy doing what we're supposed to be doing until he does come back. We don't like, I've heard, and perhaps you've heard too, where people, you know, they, first of all, they came up with a date. Oh, I figured it all out. I know it's going to happen on, you know, uh, and, and it's, this has happened like through history where people have come up with these specific dates and they say, this is when it's going to happen. Remember back in 1988? The 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988? Any of you remember that? There was the little booklet that came out like, well, obviously it didn't happen. Although there is a whole uh, section of, of theology that says Jesus has already come back. He came back in the first century and and I'm going like, really? Well, that did a lot of good. Like, no, he hasn't come back yet. But, but these people, they, so they come up with a date, right? And then they, they uh, usually the leader gets them to sell everything that they own and have. And then they'll all ga- gather together perhaps on a mountain or in a place in uh, some foreign country or some, you know, compound in some uh, out-of-the-way place. And then they just sit there and wait. And what do they do? What are they doing? That's not what he's saying here, is it? That's not what the Bible's saying. Be busy. Occupy until I come. That's what he's saying for us to do. Now, we're not going to read it, but in chapter 25, it talks about the ten virgins and, and you know, they, you know, they were supposed to have enough oil to keep keep them, you know, until the, fa- the time that the bridegroom came back, and some, you know, had enough, and some did not have enough. He says, don't be like the ones that don't have enough. And then in, in the second section there, it talks about the parable of the talents, where, you know, the, the man went on a journey, and he, he gave out talents or gifts or, or things to do or something to use, and he said, use this. And some... Uh, you know, used it to great advantage, but, but there was one that said, no, I'm, I'm not going to, to use it, and he, what he buried it, he hid it. And it didn't go well for him in the end. We need to be busy in using what God's given us. I really believe that. I really think that. I, I, I think that you and I need to, to be using the talents and being prepared, having enough oil in the lamp, even when we think like, well, he's, he's taking a long time. You know, I was expecting him to come. Pastor Chuck expected him to come during his lifetime, and he didn't. But he was always looking for it. There's one thing about that man. He was always looking for the return of Jesus. I think that's a good example for us. 
But on the other side, he was, he was always busy. That guy worked so hard, he never stopped. Up to the very, very end, he was doing what God wanted him to do, what God had called him to do. Let's turn to John chapter 14. This is one of uh, many people's favorite passages. John chapter 14, first couple of verses there. John chapter 14, I love this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He's talking about what I was saying. We're in a difficult time, in this time in between, waiting for His return, waiting for His purpose and plan for us in heaven. And they were feeling the same way. So he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let it destroy you. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Why? Why should you not let your hearts be troubled? Why? Because he says in verse 2 and following, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. The King James says what? Mansions. I love that. I got a mansion. He says, If it were not so, I would have told you, and I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Isn't that wonderful? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me. Trust in the Father. Trust in me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back for you. I'm, I'm, I'm going, and I know it's going to be difficult without having me here physically, but I'm, you know, there's a purpose in it. I'm preparing something. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get you. I'm going to bring you to this place that I'm getting ready for you. This place, this room, this mansion. You know what, even if it is just a room, it's still going to be like a mansion compared to here, right? I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. That's wonderful. That's Jesus talking there. There are many, many other, many, many other places he talks about it in, in, uh, in these chapters in the, in the Gospels. Let's turn to First. Uh, Thessalonians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter, 7, chapter 1, verse 7, because Paul talked an awful lot about it too. So I've tried to make this somewhat simple for you, so you just keep moving to the right, to the right, to the right. Sounds like uh, square dancing or something. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. This is, what, this is the way Paul talked about it. <clears throat> he says, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as what? As you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Now, he's not talking about the first appearing, right? He's not talking about the first coming. He's talking about the second coming of Jesus. So he says, God has given you you, you don't lack any spiritual gift. God's given you everything you need. And I, I say that sometimes, but I can't do it. I don't, I don't have enough. He says, that's right. You don't have enough, but I will give you what you need. But look what he says there. How do we wait? He says, as you eagerly wait. As you eagerly wait. 
Is there any reason why we might not eagerly wait for His return? I can think of a few. Perhaps we're not living like we should be living in. It's more like, well, don't come back right now. Because I'm not, you know, really, I'm not, things are not quite right. So what do we need to do? We need to get it right, make it right. So that we can be like Paul says here, to be eagerly waiting for Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, to be revealed. How about 1 Thessalonians? Thessalonians, he talks a lot about end times, but we're just going to look at a couple of verses here. 1 Thessalonians, keep turning to the right, to the right after Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you an idea of, of how this, this is supposed to be. How do, we, how, do we, how do we have this blessed hope? How do we wait? How do we think about it? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Let's see. Here we are. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how... You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from, he from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Boy, there's a lot right there, huh? We could do a whole, whole message on those verses. But, but notice, he talks about serving, that we turned to God from idols to serve Him. That's what we're called to do here now while we're waiting, to serve Him, not to serve ourselves, but to serve Him. And at the same time, to wait for His Son from heaven. He's coming back. Paul believed it. He's coming back. He's coming from heaven. He's, now, he's at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now. That's what the Bible tells us, right? That's where He is. But He's going to return. He's going to come back from that place down for you and for me. But look what it says here. He was raised from the dead, Jesus, and He rescues us from the coming wrath. He rescues us from the coming wrath. No wrath for those who belong to Him. How about 2 Timothy? Go ahead, two books, three books. 2 Timothy chapter... These are some of the last words that Paul wrote, his swan song. Let's, let's pick it up in verse 7, though, because it kind of gives the context as, again, he is looking back over his life. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all what, who have longed for His appearing. He talked about eagerly waiting for our Lord Jesus. Now he talks about longing for His appearing. He knew that His life was almost over. 
There are other times where he talks about, you know, I'd like to just go home. And I feel like that sometimes too. You ever feel like that? I just want to go home. This world is not my home. I want to go home. But he says, you know what, I've got work for you to do. And he told Paul the same thing. I've got work for you to do. But it's still okay to long for that home and to long for his return, to long to see him, to want to see him. But until then, what do we do? We keep fighting the good fight. We keep running the race. We keep the faith. Longing for his appearing. We're not going to turn there now, but James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he also talks about it. He says this, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield us valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now James said that. When did he write those words? Long time ago. But he says it's near. So, like Peter talks about it where, you know, people say, well, he's been, you know, he's been talking about, you know, he said he was going to come and people have been saying it for a long, long time and it hasn't happened yet. But he says what? It's the patience that God is having patience with us. James is saying, be patient. We need to be patient. But Peter says that God is being patient with us, that, that those who need to be saved will be saved. That his patience means salvation. But you and I need to be patient. It's true. But knowing that His coming is near. Oops. So we have this glorious appearing in uh, <clears throat> our verses in Titus, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm actually going to have another message about the the deity of Jesus Christ, because it is so important. This is the, one of the, the areas that I, I think I can pretty clearly say all of the cults go off in. The deity of Jesus Christ. Who is He? But look what He says here in, in that verse. He says, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior, the, the, the construction of those words means that they're one and the same. Our great God is Jesus Christ. God the Son. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why it's said in the Gospels about when Jesus came that they would call Him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for that? Are you looking for that? Again, I, I don't think about it every day, but I think we need to. I think I need to. I think, uh, you know, again, as Pastor Chuck said, it puts in perspective kind of the stuff that we are so consumed with here. But Jesus is coming back, so i gotta, I got to struggle with this and deal with this, but it's not the end. It's not everything. It's not the whole. 
The whole is when He comes and takes me to be with Him. That's what I'm looking forward to. I almost got to go. But it's not time yet. So you and I, what are we going to do in the meanwhile? We're going to serve. I'm going to play a song. We're going to have communion right now, as a matter of fact. We're going to pass out the elements, the cup and the, and the bread. We're going to have them come out. We're going to play a song uh, on, the, on the screen here in just a second. But really, the song is called While I'm Waiting. And he's talking about a number of different things there. But I think I, I want to apply it to this idea of while we're waiting. And what he says is, is I will serve you. He says, I will worship you and I'll run the race while I'm waiting. While you and I are waiting for him to return. Why don't we pray first and then we'll, we'll look at that. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for, number one, that you sent your son. You loved the world so much that you sent your son, your one and only son, to this earth. He humbled himself and took the form of a human being. And he gave himself for us. He died on that cross. And as we celebrate communion, we remember the cross. Interesting, it says in that passage, to remember the Lord's death until he comes. We remember your death, Lord Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for uh, being so consumed with the things of this world that we forget about the fact that you're coming back for us, that you have a plan and a purpose much bigger than what we struggle with. God, I know it's hard. It's, it's difficult, I know, and you know. We saw that you, you see and you hear, but you also care. And we're going through these anxious, troubled times. But you sent your son, Father, to, to this earth, and, and he was crucified for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven. But he's coming back. He's coming back. That's our hope, our blessed hope, our confident expectation that we eagerly look for, long for, wait for. But in the meanwhile, we live, we serve, we worship, and we run that race. We fight the good fight. Father, as we prepare for communion, I pray that Perhaps there are some here that have never surrendered their hearts to you that, that, that they shouldn't take communion. But, but you are here now and you hear their cries, the cries of their heart. And perhaps that's you and you say, well, I'm not ready to, but you can be. And you can open your heart right now and say, Jesus, come into my life, my heart. I, I'm, I'm lost I want that hope to be ready for you when you return. And Jesus hears you right now, and you can partake of communion and celebrate the death of your Savior, Jesus, if that's you.
Lord, help us. Help us. It's not easy in this life. I, I confess I, I need your help every single day. Lord, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Every hour. Lord, prepare us. Help us to be ready for you to return in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have the communion. Everybody uh, hold your communion and we'll partake together after uh, everybody gets theirs and we'll do that together, okay?